Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here on a Sunday evening as we are recording the start of another week. And today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to builtbar.com, use the promo code Locked On, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Now, as always, at this time of the week, I am joined by the host of the Bucks Radio Network, uh, host of Courtside Live, the pregame show. Uh, on the Bucks digital channels as well, Justin Garcia and Justin, we are, we were just discussing before we came on. Uh, the Packers have moved on. Brady Rogers, we're, I'm pretty fired up. I'm fired up to watch this game next week. Uh, unfortunately, you might be at the arena and might not see any of this at all. Yeah, so it's gonna, it's definitely gonna cut into the uh, courtside show because we'll be on <laughs> at 4:30, and I think this is gonna be like a two o'clock or maybe a 2:30 kickoff for. Uh, for the Packers, so it's going to cut into that, but uh, yeah, I mean, I guess we'll see how good I am at multitasking to see what the score is while we're on the air. All right, so everyone, you can have two screens going. You'll have the Packers going. You'll probably have the Bucks pregame show on there just to see how Justin goes, if he's able to concentrate at all on the Bucks and what he's talking about there, but that's going to be fun. I know a lot of our listeners are going to be excited about that, and look, I put the call out to our friends over at Locked On Packers yesterday uh, to, to get me on the show. I've got takes. I've got takes about the Packers, so we'll see uh, whether that ends up coming through. But we are here to talk about the Bucks Now, we didn't... It, it's a rare kind of point in the schedule here where the Bucks have a pretty light week. They had a couple of days off uh, after beating Dallas. We're going to talk about that Mavericks game in depth here, and then we're going to look at the Nets, uh, which is coming up here tonight, and then the, the Lakers in a couple of days as well. So a rare time to really take a deep breath and look at some of the things that we've seen. As far as this Nets game goes, uh, what we do know is that Kevin Durant and James Harden are going to play at this stage, unless something changes between now and tip-off. Kyrie Irving is actually listed as questionable with the health and safety protocols. I don't know where he's at in the process, if he's going to be able to play, but my sense would be, given this is a national TV game, uh, the NBA would love nothing more than to have Kyrie, James Harden, Kevin Durant on ESPN, against Giannis and the Bucks, So part of me is expecting that Kyrie Irving will play. Uh, we'll wait and see, though. Uh, we can talk about the Nets a little bit later on here. But a pretty fun game on the weekend, on Friday night. The Bucks beat the Mavericks 112-109. to And it is worth noting right off the top, that the Mavericks seriously depleted, again, with the health and safety protocols, Dwight Powell, Dorian Finney-Smith, Maxi Kleber, Jalen Brunson, Josh Richardson, the five players... Uh, five legitimate rotation players, a couple of starters in there, and, and a couple of guys who have given the Bucks some troubles uh, over the years' words in this game. So that's the first thing you have to note. But still, the Bucks fell behind with a couple minutes late, Justin, uh, a couple minutes left in the game. And Chris Middleton stepped up, as we've seen him do many times over the course of his career. And I think it's just fun and good to see this Bucks team in close games 
They haven't been in that situation too often. They'd be able to pull it back when they fall behind because honestly, uh, that's one question mark we've had about this team, their ability to execute, to score uh, offensively when things get tight down the stretch. Yeah, and I thought it was uh, interesting too where I think it was um, I think it was Drew Holiday after the game. That, and it, may, it may have been you that asked about too, just the some of the things that the Bucks can do offensively with that trio. And, you know, it was Drew Holiday against the Celtics that hit the shots down the stretch where they ultimately lost. We've seen Giannis do that. And even on that uh, most recent road trip too, where the game against the Magic, it was basically Chris and Brooke Lopez put in away. The game on Wednesday in Detroit, it was Drew Holiday taking over in the fourth quarter. And here against the Mavericks, it was Chris Middleton with the two biggest shots of the game. And uh, that was one of the things that Drew talked about after the game, that these three guys just fit together on and off the court. And, you know, especially in Chris and Giannis, we know about their longstanding chemistry and relationship. But Chris – or uh, Drew, excuse me, is really just, you know, hit the ground running with this team seemingly in all aspects. That Bud talked about it at length the same day as well about – all the things that Drew Holiday can do for the team defensively, but just the guy that he is too. And I think, you know, we talked about the, the game against Miami where the Bucks set the record for threes, but you saw some of the differences. And, you know, you saw it firsthand with uh, that game in Boston and, and this again where this just gives them so much versatility that even when Giannis is one of ten from the free throw line and if Giannis doesn't have the biggest game – it's still, you know, from what we've seen this year, Giannis' scoring is down, and I attribute that just to still trying to figure out this offense. But it almost seems like what we're seeing this year is the Bucks have reached the point now with some of the personnel changes that they're almost better when he's not putting in the 35-point night. That Sure, it's great. You'll take that. But he doesn't need to do that anymore, that just the threat of him is what opens those things up for Chris to hit those shots and for Drew Holiday. Yeah, absolutely. That was uh, something that stood out to me from the post game as well. And I think we've seen it. I think we've seen a willingness from all three guys to defer at times, particularly in this game. It was Chris Middleton who obviously took took over down the stretch. He had eight of the final 10 points. Uh, Brooke Lopez sealed the game at the free throw line there at the end. But it was all Chris Middleton, a couple threes. And then he obviously went to the free throw line when the Mavericks found themselves in a foul uh, situation to try and extend the game but I just love Chris Milton that he was having a pretty rough night he wasn't shooting the ball too well which is not something we've said about him very often at all this season or really through last regular season as well but he, he really has evolved into this player where he can be having an off night but in the last five minutes or so he can really take over I do think back to that game for uh, in the bubble as well against Miami and obviously we know how that series panned out but Chris Milton was scoreless in the fourth quarter, despite the fact he was having a monster game for the first three, really went cold, looked like he was completely fatigued, came back in overtime and hit the big shots that ultimately allowed the Bucks to win the game. He had another game like that in Washington last year where he couldn't score anything. He just looked completely exhausted. And then again, in overtime, he came up clutch with these shots. So it is a really nice trait to have. And I think the big thing with Chris Milton, and I've been saying this for a number of years now, my, my one thing that I really... My one gripe, I guess, I had about Chris Middleton was the fact that I didn't think he was aggressive enough in looking for his shots. He, he was kind of a guy that would, no matter how hot he was shooting, he would sort of step uh, step into the background and just be happy to be out there. And if it was an open look, he's going to shoot it, fine. But he never aggressively looked to take over games. That's been the biggest change for mine with him over the last 
12 to 18 months. And we saw it again in this game against Dallas. Giannis was on the floor. Uh, Drew Holiday is out there and Chris is like, I don't care. I'm the hot man. I am happy to take this shot. We're falling down. We need to get back up and win this game against a, albeit depleted Dallas team, a good team with Luka Doncic on the floor. I'm going to take this over. And I think that's been the biggest change and the biggest uh, a positive for this Bucks team when you look ahead to playoff out, uh, uh, prospects again you have a guy an all-star who plays like one and that again has been something that's evolved in his game yeah and, and that was uh that was another thing too that the days are all bleeding together now I don't remember I think that was after the game yeah that had to have been because we didn't hear from him this weekend where, where Chris talked about that as well after the game and I you know you guys know me and I'm not going to go out there and try and force the offense that yeah. I'm I'm just going to take what comes within rhythm and with the offense that we're running. But um, I think it's gone up a level where he's still playing within the offense, but he's not going to hesitate when he's put in that spot. And not to say that Chris shied away from the moment in the past, because especially in the playoffs, if we think to some of the biggest moments, they're involving a Chris Middleton shot. But it does seem like it's even more amplified this season. And part of that is probably just the changes overall to the offense and creating more looks for guys other than Giannis. Well, he's an all-star now, as we said, and, and even in that first year, he was trying to find his way. And remember that first season with Bud, that was the, the season where Bud himself kind of said, I had to kind of get used to uh, Chris Middleton's personality and he's kind of low-key and he's not uh, an outlandish star like some of the guys we see around the league. And that took some time for Bud to adjust to. But I think that those two have learned to work with each other. Giannis obviously has great chemistry with Chris as well. And now Middleton is, really has that aggressiveness uh, of an all-star that you see from those types of guys that want the ball in their hands. But at the same time, uh, as we said, he is willing to defer to Drew Holiday, who uh, missed a floater late, but he had his chance to score there. Giannis will get into in, in a little bit here. Perhaps, uh, perhaps not so many positive things to say about this game in particular uh, for Giannis. But before we do, I'm going to talk about Bilt Bar. And listen, I, I know you guys hear me talk about Bilt Bar all the time. You might... And, you know, not want to take my word for it. And that's totally fine. But take Frank Madden's word for it. Because I can tell you, he DM'd us the other day and said that he got a box of Bilt Bar to his house. Uh, he's on board. He he's, he's, loves the product. He said it was delicious. So if you, if you trust Frank's word a little more than mine, uh, then you need to buy Bilt Bar because it is the best tasting protein bar that has ever been made. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They are soft and easy to chew. Uh, they're great for the health conscious guy. Uh, like Frank, so lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. The bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber. Uh, the deal we have—it's an excellent one. Go to builtbar.com and use the promo code Locked On, and you'll get twenty percent off your next order. Use promo code Locked On for twenty percent off at builtbar.com. Twenty twenty is mercifully over. It's time for a fresh start and a few more wins. If you're betting this year and want more wins, listen to Locked On Bets with your boy Q and Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. They are picking college basketball, football, and NBA locks all winter long. Subscribe to Locked On Bets wherever you get your podcasts. Now, uh, Justin, one of the most fascinating things for me to look out for coming into this game was the way the Bucks were going to defend Luka Doncic. Now, uh, I spoke with Camille on Friday's episode, uh, and we spoke a lot about the Nets. So if you missed Friday's episode, you can go back and check that one out. Just some overall general takes about Brooklyn and what we think 
of this brand new uh, super team, I guess, out in the East. But Doncic has been one of the biggest buck killers in his short career. He always tortures Milwaukee. And part of that was the defensive coverage. Uh, Doncic was just able to pick it apart, get into the paint, either score, find the open shooter. He's had no problems at all. He did have 28 points, 9 rebounds, and 13 assists. So, listen, I mean... They're slowing down Luka Doncic and then there's just making his life at least a little bit difficult. And this is the tough part because the guy is an absolute magician. So clearly, he still had a pretty decent uh, night out uh, there, 12 for 24 from the field as well. So relatively efficient. But I think the best thing that we saw from a Milwaukee point of view, again, looking ahead to the postseason, was a bunch of different coverages that the Bucks threw at Luka. And Bud spoke about this pregame and said it was going to happen. I was still a little bit like, all right, let's, let's wait and see. Let's wait and see when this game happens. But there was one possession early in the game where Drew Holiday and Dante DiVincenzo uh, had a big mix-up, uh, a miscommunication, we'll say. Doncic walked straight in for a layup. And it was kind of funny where I was sitting there thinking, well, that's obviously not good. But I'm feeling pretty optimistic about the fact that there was a breakdown there because clearly that means that they're going to be trying some different things right from the outset tonight. And when we talk about adjustments that the Bucks have made in the past, uh, oftentimes it's come in the second half when they find themselves in trouble. This time they came out from the opening tip and said, okay, we're going to throw some different looks at Luca." And again, I just love to see it. Yeah, and that specific play too, that was one of the things that Dante talked about uh, yesterday or, or Saturday in the Bucks. Uh, media availability after practice and that that specific instance I know Eric name asked him about it that that was the Bucks went to switching immediately yeah. and Dante and Drew just weren't on the same page and then reconvened and it wasn't an issue moving forward so again one of the other things that we heard is the Bucks aren't doing any adjustments on defense which isn't true and then uh, there would be some pushback of yeah but they're doing it late in games or they're doing it reactionary only and now we're starting to see more and more of this where it's happening earlier in games as well and you know the tough part and I haven't gone back to rewatch the game yet just because of the the stupid league pass rule too where it's a national <laughs> game so you got to wait three days within market to watch it but um it, I mean it did remind you a lot of those Rockets games and I know that was brought up a lot too where you throw unique looks out there and you just you you go in looking to make it difficult on a guy in the case of James Harden here um knowing this guy is still going to have a tremendous impact on the game and the numbers are probably going to bear out that he has a big game, but we have to make it a struggle for him to get there. And that's exactly what it was for Luca, where he basically hit his season averages everywhere. I mean, the 12 to 24 from the field is basically what he shoots on a per game basis and the 28 points. I think he's averaging about 27 a game. So it was basically what you'd expect from him. Uh, but it did look like he really had to work. And that was one of the things Drew talked about too, where I just wanted to put my body on him as much as possible. And, and you mentioned throwing different looks at him. Now, granted, it, it might have been a little more interesting to see if some of those guys that you mentioned that didn't play for Dallas, if they had played in this game, because, you know, and this isn't certainly unique to this season, if there is any takeaways over the teams that have beaten the Bucks this season or the games where the Bucks have had their poorest outings defensively, it's teams that drive well and do the driving kick, and it's teams that are better three-point shooting teams. Those are the ones they've struggled against. Dallas down in three-point shooting this year, but obviously one of the best driving teams in the league. So it would have been interesting to see if they would have been full strength how this game bears out. But, I mean, for your first go at it and for 12 games into the season to say, okay, we're going to try a new defense and we have a new point of attack defensively with Drew Holiday instead of Eric Bledsoe, 
it's encouraging that you, you again the defense is going to continue to get better as the season goes on. So if you made Luca work for 28 points and basically contained it, which was the other big part, I know Tim Hardaway started to hit some shots, but Luca can get his 28 and he can get his near triple double. That's it, though. There's not going to be the secondary guy that beats us. And uh, Porzingis, I know he was on a minutes restriction, still almost 30, but he didn't have a good game from the field. As I said, Tim Hardaway did start to hit some shots, but that seemingly has been the problem against teams like this, and especially against the Mavs. If you think back to the game that snapped the 18-game win streak last year, there wasn't that other guy that went off and beat him, where if you're the Bucks, you're saying, fine, it can be all Luka, but that's it. Yeah, and particularly two guys that didn't play, uh, Maxi Kleber and Dwight Powell, because when you think about the Bucks and how they can have some some issues, certainly uh, in pick and roll defense in the past, it has been guys like Nikola Vucevic, who we saw last week, and guys that can can pop out to the three point line. We know Al Horford certainly in times, mostly back when he was playing for Boston, caused the Bucks some troubles as well. So those two guys not being out there, and then you start Willie Cauley Stein, who didn't attempt a three-point shot, and he's improved in that area, and he will take them from time to time, but he wasn't a threat in this game. And Pazingas, I'm still looking a little bit uncomfortable out there as well. So you didn't have that big man threat, which is still going to be a big question for the Bucks how they defend that moving forward if they do see Dallas again later on in the season or any team that can provide that type of threat. So we'll wait and see what happened there. And again, you know, Mavericks score 46 points in the paints in this game, and I think... The Bucks are still ironing out some things there, and they keep to Dallas to 109 points overall, which in 2021 is not bad, but it's still going to be a work in progress uh, defensively. But again, down the stretch, when the Mavericks take the lead, you're obviously pretty concerned about Luka Doncic, and uh, he drove to the basket. Drew Holiday really took the job on Luka for most of the night, but he was defending him really hard over the last five minutes or so. We've seen him clamp down on some players already but there was one play in particular where Luca gets into the paint and tries a layup that you know for him it looks like it's going to be a difficult spot to either stop him from scoring or defend without fouling Brooke Lopez who we've seen so many times before comes over for the huge block the Bucks are able to uh, retain the ball and that was just a huge play on the night and Drew Holiday after the game when he was asked about that specific question he said he I'm paraphrasing here I don't have to quote up but he says Brooke Lopez man uh, he's just so underrated with how he protects the rim and that quote just stood out to me because we've heard this all the time from Giannis he says that defending is so easy when you know Brooke Lopez is behind him Eric Bledsoe used to say the same thing to hear it from Drew Holiday who's just come to this team Again, probably realizing how elite Brook Lopez is, remembering that Drew Holiday was at New Orleans. You only see the Bucks twice per season. So while these guys probably know what's going on around the league, to now be in that system and have Brook Lopez behind you coming up with a big play like that uh, has to feel pretty good for him. And again, I just think it's another reminder. I've seen some, uh, I guess... The question marks over Brooke Lopez earlier this season. Uh, where does his future lie? Has he dropped off a step this season? I just don't believe that. I just I think that's rubbish personally because we've spoken all season long that they're trying th- different things defensively. The one thing that the drop coverage was designed to do was to maximize Brooke Lopez's talents defensively. So I don't expect him to be an all-NBA defense player this year. I don't expect him to be in the conversation for defensive player of the year. But don't overlook still his rim protection and the way that he alters shots and in some cases, completely 
uh, puts other players off from even entering the paint when he's standing there as well. So Brook Lopez, when you combine the fact he's shooting 36% from three and actually went into the post in this game for several possessions in a row and made a difference, uh, I'm not buying any talk that Brook Lopez has dropped off, dropped off too far. Uh, I still think that he's going to be such an impactful player for this team. Well, and to me, the interesting thing is, I wouldn't say dropped off, but at least the first three or four games, it seemed like something did look a little off with Brooke. And I think at this point, it's clear to say, well, I mean, as we know, they are working in new defensive schemes and a different offense as well. And also, it was a weird offseason for everyone. So I think we do have to take that into account. But he's looked, you know, every bit the guy he was the last two years now in the games that have followed. Um, it's funny too that you mentioned the 46 points in the paint for the Mavs in this game because this one stands out to me as maybe one of the better games defensively that Brooke Lopez had. I know he just had four blocks against the Pistons, which was a season high. But in terms of the plays that he made, this one stands out to you maybe more than any so far this season and really the one being the biggest one that may have saved the game. Um, and, I, you know, the other thing that I go back to with – with Drew talking about Brooke Lopez there, and, and by the way, too, the other thing is um, Brooke was, what, two of five from three? So we talked about this a lot last year with his, his shooting under 40% and under 30% for most of the year from three. Um, and just, you know, is this who he's going to be going forward? Was he the, was, is this the outlier year? Was it the first year in Milwaukee that not necessarily the outlier, but a little bit of an off year. And now what we've seen, and maybe it's just due to playing in empty gyms that just boosts it for you. And, and that gets you back on the right track. But now he's back to being that guy. And I went back and looked at all the game logs and I think I added it all up correctly, including the playoffs. Cause it seems like whenever Brooke hits multiple threes, the bucks just don't lose. They're 20 They're by my math, they're 74 and 24 in games where he hits two or more three pointers. So that seems to back that up there. Um, he looked pretty good in this game, and he's continuing to look better to me. And the other thing is, as, as Drew mentioned, him being underrated, and it helps him out immensely to play on the perimeter. I have said this for a couple of, of, of games now, and I think you and I talked about it as well. We heard you know, so much in the offseason about Drew Holiday being underrated from all of his peers and everybody else, and now getting a chance to see him for what 13 games you get it and you say yep he we knew he was good we knew he was a borderline all-star level player but now seeing him on a nightly basis I understand how good he is I understand that Chris Middleton is is a multi-time all-star and and nearly an all-NBA player last year but I really do think Chris Middleton is probably taking that mantle from Drew Holiday as the most underrated good player in the league now that I think people understand Chris Middleton is a good player, but even, you know, the number one conversation that goes on about Chris with, yeah, but he's not a number two. I mean, when you watch games like this, and it's, again, eight of 20, but he hit the two biggest shots of the game, uh, everything that he's done in terms of the stat lines, too, with leading the team in assists, and it seems like, I know the numbers don't indicate it, but it does seem like he's rebounding at a higher rate than he has uh, this season compared to the others. He is wildly underrated, I think, still by his own fan base. And, and that's not to say that they don't appreciate how good he is. They just don't understand. No, he's not just really good. He's very good, and he is borderline lead player. Well, 21 points, six rebounds, seven assists for Chris per game this season. Uh, pretty absurd numbers. And 
it's kind of funny if you think about the career path for Chris Milton because clearly early days, I think back to the you know the fourteen fifteen season around that stretch where we were really just starting to see what Chris Milton was. And clearly no one watched the Bucks back then. And I don't really blame people for not watching the team, but he was underrated back then. And then it got to the point where, yeah. okay, everyone's caught up with Chris Milton. Everyone knows what he can do. And now he's just taking this another step again, where it's not just like he's a fringe all-star. You're just like, this guy's a lock for an all-star team. I mean, that's just the level of player he is now. So again, I think that people are starting to catch up with the level of play and certainly to this point this year, I don't think there's any argument that he's been the Bucks' best player. And I know that that's obviously a big call when you have Giannis. And speaking of Giannis, we should probably talk about him uh, after I talk about betonline.ag. Now at the start of this show, we did mention uh, Packers and Bucks, uh, not the Milwaukee Bucks, the other Bucks coming up next weekend. And I don't know. I feel like the Packers will probably get a four and a half point start there if that's what you're into. But you should go to betonline.ag because that's the only place that has you covered and the one place we trust. Sign up today for free accounts at betonline.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDON for your 50% welcome bonus. Obviously, you've got the NFL playoffs continuing next weekend. Uh, college basketball's uh, going on and obviously the NBA as well. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use the promo code Locked On to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook expert. Well, coming up this week on Locked On Bucks, as I mentioned it at the start, but this is an exciting week if you're a Bucks fan. Obviously, they got over the first hurdle, which was the Dallas Mavericks, but they also have the Brooklyn Nets coming up tonight. Well, we're going to recap. That Frank Madden will be with me for the post-game show there. So make sure you check that one out. And then later on the week, we've got Giannis versus LeBron. Always fun. I would say that Lakers game last year at Fiserv was my favorite game of the entire season. That was a hell of a lot of fun. So we're going to be able to build up to Giannis versus LeBron and recap that game as well this week on Locked On Bucks. But speaking of Giannis, Justin, uh, I mean... Let's, okay, let's start with the good, all right? Let's start with the good. 14 for 21 from the field, fantastic. Two for five from three. You'll take that every night of the week. Nine rebounds, uh, 31 points, beautiful, fantastic numbers. Uh, the one for 10 from the free throw line was particularly painful, though, watching this game. Uh, and we've, we've spent so much time going through Giannis' free throws uh, over the years. And I always say, I mean, I'm not a shot mechanic expert, Justin. I don't, go, I don't know. If there's something noticeable, we'll point it out on this show. I know, Frank, uh, maybe he didn't want to come on this show today because he knew that we were going to talk about this and he didn't have it in him to possibly discuss this. But one for 10 was bad. And, you know, you, you tweeted out the video, I believe, of Giannis shooting some free throws after the game. And we all knew he was going to do that. He was going to be out in the court because he works his ass off. It's never a question of work with him. It's never a question of trying different things and wanting to get better. That's the one thing that he is that he tops everyone in the league in these his work ethic and his want to be the best possible player. This just this is just a mental thing and it's really, really unfortunate uh, that we've seen uh, this happen uh, time and time again and, you know, it's just a crazy thing. What happens? This was a guy that for the first few seasons of his career was in the 70s. Now, so far this season, he's down to 57.5%. And if you're a Bucks fan, for everything that this guy does for the franchise, for everything he does for the team, it certainly leaves you a little unsettled knowing that come playoff time, he hasn't got a history of shooting free throws well. And on nights like this, it didn't in this game, 
But during the playoffs, the reality is it can cost you a game. And I don't even know how much else there is to discuss about this, but it's just a scary thought to have in the back of your mind. And clearly for Giannis, it's unfortunate because you can tell during these moments, it's, it's starting to get to him a little bit and understandably so, but it is tough to watch. Yeah. And, um, I, so when I tweeted the video too, I remember thinking, I know he did this one other time this year where game ends and, and, you know, it's, it's obviously different with no fans in the building and there's nobody to clear out on the floor that he's just coming out immediately after the game and working on free throws. And I had to go back and look at the game logs to say, which game was this? And I realized it was against the Mavericks in the preseason this year where he did it. I think their, their second preseason game. Um, I mean, I'm I'm with you. I don't know what else to say that it's just, you know, it's something that at this point you realize it's going to happen occasionally that he's going to have this one for 10 type of line where he'll have the game where he goes 12 of 14 and he, you know, kind of does that two or three times. And then he kind of levels out to probably shooting around 70% from the line. And then all of a sudden he'll have this one for 10 or one for 12 type of night at the free throw line and the thing is as you brought up too about you're gonna have to it's it could be a reckoning in the playoffs I think one of the things that helps is the level that Chris Middleton has taken his game to where I feel good about Chris Middleton as a number two and now you have other guys that you can initiate offensively where it doesn't have to be Giannis is the guy taking that last shot and we need to get two points from Giannis down the stretch but uh, you know, I was asked this at, on, on our show after that game on Friday, too. And I, at this point, Giannis can get to a 75, 80% free throw shooter and he can sustain it for a season. It's not going away. That, you know, I think it's very similar to what Steve Kerr said uh, when he was asked about defending Giannis before the game on Christmas Day, where, look, if he develops a knockdown three point shot, then all of us are just screwed. All of us being the other teams in the league that we're still going to give him that shot and say, go ahead and take it. Even if he develops that and adds that to the repertoire that we'll take our chances with it. And I think the free throw shooting is going to be the same thing. Even if he starts to build that up and becomes a 75 or 80% free throw shooter, he's going to have to do that for two, three or longer years before teams are scared off. They're still going to say, fine, prove it, because we've seen enough of the track record where that number's going to drop and you're going to start to miss some of these shots. So uh, unfortunately, it is something that the Bucks are, are going to have to deal with, knowing when you get to the postseason, he's probably going to get fouled a lot. I mean, he already does, but he's going to get intentionally fouled to put him at the free throw line. And again, it's not that it is a cure-all, but changing up your offense and giving different looks out there and putting other guys close to the basket to move the ball around a little more is going to help alleviate some of that. But still, we know if it's a tie game in the final minute of the game, Giannis is going to be touching the ball. And at that point, another team, what's going to prevent you from saying, you know what, the odds are in our favor at best case scenario, this guy's only hitting one. So why don't we go ahead and follow him? Oh, we already saw that with that game early in the season as well. And again, I mean, I would love to say something to make Bucks fans feel better because I know there's a lot of anxiety out there about what's going to happen late in the season. And I just, when he's at the free throw line, I don't feel confident. And I just kind of cross my fingers and hope that he knocks them down. And unfortunately, I don't have anything to say that's going to make anyone feel better because I'm just not 100% sure. But the one thing I do know 
is that he's going to continue to attack and he's going to continue to put himself in situations where he's going to be going to the, to the free throw line. And much like he found himself in foul trouble the other night, and again, that's a whole other conversation. He had a couple of those poor fouls that we've seen him give away in the past. I kind of like the fact that in a regular season game, you would love for him never to be in foul trouble, but I kind of like the fact that he was put in the position and he's been put in the position multiple times this year where Bud, again, if you want to think about another kind of just little thing that he's changed up a little bit, we're seeing Bud say, go out there. You're playing with foul trouble. I'm going to let you play for minutes. Do not foul. Be disciplined enough to not give away a bad foul. And sometimes it's going to work. Sometimes it's not. But like Giannis needs to be in situations where he's taking pressure free throws, I think he also needs to be in situations where he plays through foul trouble because, again, these are the lessons that he's going to have to learn during the regular season, and hopefully the improvement will come from there. Uh, the only other final notes I wanted to make here, and it's just basically a shout-out. Shout-out to our guy, Bobby Portis. Uh, 13 rebounds in this one. Just a beast on one possession in the third quarter on the offensive glass as well. He's just working his ass off. Again, he's not perfect. There is some defensive issues that are still there and probably are still going to be there through the season. But you can't fault his effort so far. And the 13 rebounds uh, from him uh, was a season high. He ended up with uh, just eight points. So two points off. Another double-double there. But the impact he's having off the bench uh, certainly exceeding expectations for mine so far this season. Anyway, I, I figured we should wrap this up by talking about the Nets at least a little bit here. Now, they played one game already together. That was with Harden and Durant, and I was able to catch this game. And they beat the Magic 122-115. Uh, look, the Magic was scoring a lot. I think the defensive question marks are still going to be there. The one thing I have to say, and this is, this is the biggest thing I hate about a star player being traded to another team. Now we all have to sit here and get on social media and endure these damn ESPN accounts and TNT and NBA TV and whoever it is just putting up highlights of the most basic layups and going, oh, James Harden, what a move. And it's like, no, we've seen this for years, okay? We get it. He's wearing a different jersey, but we don't need to do this. But nonetheless, uh, he was pretty damn impressive. 32 points, 12 rebounds, 14 assists. Kevin Durant had 42. I said this the other day with Camille. Uh, these two are arguably the best two scorers in the NBA right now. It's terrifying that they're on the same team. And I know that there's a lot of question marks, but this roster is going to improve, I would dare say, before the end of the season as well. And if there's any question marks about chemistry, whether they're going to get along, those question marks aren't going to be there in the first couple of games. James Harden is going to be on best behavior. He's going to be unselfish. He's going to be passing the ball. He's not going to be over dribbling. We saw that in this game against Orlando. So I will say, heading into this game, I'm expecting the best from Kevin Durant and James Harden. And again, it's kind of scary. I'm really excited and looking forward to watching the game. But these two, I have a feeling, uh, are going to put on a bit of a show. Um, yeah, and uh, I, after the I, one quick question I have for you about Giannis, but as far as the Nets, yeah, I mean, look, and, and I think, I, I, I feel like uh, based on the reaction that I saw from a lot of people, a lot of Bucks fans out there on Twitter and um, on the first post-game show we did after that trade too with my co-host. I feel like I'm in the minority here, but I'm not saying the Nets are going to win the championship. I feel like it, it's going to work this season and that they're going to, all of them are going to be on their best behavior for at least through this season. That Look, you can point to, oh, well, Kyrie, it, it always goes south of them. Fine. If, if that's what you're going to say, fine. But it's never the first year or two. Like, it's going to take some more time. Same with James Harden. And, and look, it's easy to pile on James Harden and the style of play. And, well, it, 
you know, the one complaint that I keep hearing is like, well, it, it never ended in a championship. Well, point to me the team in the West that it ended in a championship for when they went against the single greatest dynasty we had seen since the 90s Bulls. Like, who else was beating the Warriors? This was the team that came closest other than the Raptors when the wheels just started to fall off. So you can't fault him too much there. And then, well, it, it fizzled out with Chris Paul and with Russell Westbrook and all the guys he brought in. Well, number one, when they brought in Dwight Howard, you can't make the comparison of, of Chris Paul and Westbrook to Dwight Howard. It's a little different there. And secondly, <laughs> with Chris Paul, as we said, it did work. So much so that had Chris Paul not gotten injured, I think a lot of people think the Rockets were beating the Warriors that year. With Russell Westbrook, it's convenient to forget it was starting to work just before the season shut down, and that's when the Rockets were playing their best and starting to figure out the small ball lineup. So we know it works in small doses, at least, that I would imagine this year and probably next year, it's going to work for them. And then it's after that that you have some questions and you wonder, you think the Bucks gave up a lot. Well, how is this going to look for Brooklyn in that trade? So that's where the questions lie for me. Yes, there's a lot of defensive questions that remain to be answered. And if you watch that game against the Magic, I think it really shines a light on some of the defensive <laughs> issues they're going to have. I mean, seeing Nikola, seeing Vucevic do that to the Nets too made you feel good where you realized, okay, it's not only the Bucks that he does this to. Uh, so it's, it's a team you're going to be able to score on. But what they're betting on is, yeah, I mean, you can score on our defense. But at the end of the day, we might have the two best scorers in the league. And we have Kyrie Irving, we think, as that third guy. And that's going to be pretty tough to outscore us. So, look, it, it might be good for the Bucs, too, that we're not going to enter the playoffs where the Bucs are guaranteed to have the best record in the Eastern Conference. And everybody's saying, well, if the Bucs don't win the championship, it's a, it's a disaster because most of the attention is going to go on in Brooklyn now. So maybe that is going to be helpful for this team moving forward. The one thing about Giannis I want to ask um, – I, again, I haven't rewatched a lot of their recent games, but what do you attribute the rebounding numbers being down to for him? That I know as soon as Brooke Lopez arrived, you saw the big boost in what he creates. But in terms of the eyeball test, to me, it feels like Brooke is rebounding more this year. It feels like Chris is rebounding more this year. But when you look at the numbers, it's not the case. And, you know, it's not like the numbers are being offset by – Chris's increase and by the increase of going from Drew to Eric Bledsoe because it was basically the same there too that unless it's just the minutes he's playing with Bobby Portis that 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 really answers why his rebounding numbers are down so much yeah it's interesting the per game certainly are down I mean he's at around 10 I believe off the top of my head was up at uh, 13 or so last year so he's, he's dropped off a little bit but he's just not having those sort of 15, 16 rebound games yeah. that we kind of got used to. And I think he even had to but like a 30-20 game against Charlotte last year as well. So we've yeah. seen him put up some huge numbers. My first thought would have been, yeah, Middleton. The combination of Middleton, Drew Holiday, who's a pretty good rebounding guard, and also Dante DiVincenzo, who's so aggressive on the glass as well. So, that, I mean, that would have been my initial uh, thought there because overall the Bucks as a team, uh, they're still a top five rebounding team, 482 rebounds per game they're actually getting 11 offensive boards per game as well so they're hitting the offensive glass pretty hard this was that was a goal heading into the season that wasn't always the case last year as well so I don't know I mean it's kind of interesting to like keep an eye on this and see whether his numbers do eventually pick up uh, maybe uh, with Drew and Chris and Dante more ball handlers uh, there is less incentive for Giannis to hit the glass and then start the transition because 
we know now we've seen on multiple occasions Giannis is actually leaking out for that touchdown pass yeah. a couple of times we've seen. So that's maybe another thing that we've seen a little bit more now. Maybe they brought that into the game specifically and maybe that's a question you know, we, we should ask Bart. That's a kind of a, a good thought actually just to, to ask about those rebounding numbers because we have seen more of those transition plays where Drew Holiday will just launch the ball down the floor. We know Chris Milton's had that connection with Giannis in the past. So maybe maybe that's it. Maybe that's some of just his positioning and maybe it's been a tactical decision. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's probably, in hindsight, it's probably pretty obvious that it's got to be Bobby Portis's arrival because, I mean, he's basically averaging a double-double for you. And, you know, I mean, we've talked about their bench last year where you think about what the makeup was, and it was almost entirely defensive. And now this year, it's guys that are scoring. But I mean, even your backup big men last year in, in Erston and, and Robin Lopez, I mean, they were nowhere near the numbers that Bobby Portis is putting up. So it, it's probably that. But yeah, I mean, I my initial thought was, man, it seems like Chris is rebounding a lot more this year. Yeah. This was before looking at Giannis's numbers. That just it was during that stretch where again, what eight and six that he had uh, against the Mavs that it was during this stretch of play where you thought like, it seems like Chris is rebounding a lot more this year. And I know Brooke had 11 rebounds and you, you felt like, you know, I feel like we're seeing more rebounding from Brooke too, that in the past he was primarily just boxing out for other guys to get it and averaging around four or five. But then when you look at the per game numbers, you're like, yeah, almost identical to what they were at a year ago. Well, it is pretty funny too. I mean, we spent so much time talking about Giannis and this was one of the things I mentioned um, last week uh, when I did the likes and dislikes pod, it's it does feel like Giannis perhaps has has had a bit of a down start to the season. Then you look at the numbers and you're like, oh, okay, well he's actually averaging 26 points, 10 rebounds, five assists, a steal, and a block on 53% from the field. So yeah, while we we pick apart some things, remember we're talking about the back-to-back MVP here, and he's still having a hell of a season uh, so far. And again, the other night, 31 points on 21 shots. So look, it's, it's not all bad. Uh, we only say this about Giannis because he is so damn good. And uh, we do believe that he is going to be the man that hopefully will take this team to a championship. So, you know, sometimes you, we're a little bit picky, but we don't often say anything negative about him at all. So yeah, from time to time, time to time, you just, you, you bring up some of these negatives, but Bucks Nets tonight, 6.30 PM central. So it's on ESPN. So probably 6.45 PM central. Uh, that's what we tend to get used to here, but who knows? Who knows what time they're going to tip this game. It's always I, a uh, back. I know you mentioned that Kyrie is, is questionable and th- this is the first time since January 5th that he is at least at a status where there's a chance he could play in the game. I have thought for days and, and I said it on our post game show after they acquired James Harden, I thought all along he was going to play in this game. Um, I guess a lot could change between now and the time that people are listening to this and we get a better idea on what the injury report that comes out tomorrow afternoon is. But I still feel like Kyrie is going to play in this game. Me too. I'm expecting him to, which, you know, in many respects will be a lot of fun. And as we record this, the Celtics, who didn't have Jason Tatum today, only managed 75 points against the Knicks, which means... Uh, the Bucs are actually the number one seed as we're recording this. <laughs> Crazy. Who would have thought the Bucs would be the number one seed after, again, a little bit of a slow start here. And you spoke about the Nets. Maybe what you really want you know, heading towards the playoffs is the Bucs and the Nets to be the one and two seed so you don't have to at least see this team until the conference final. So maybe that's something to keep an eye on as well as the season bells on. Justin, uh, always a pleasure to speak to you on a Sunday evening. You bet. 
All right, 6.30 tip-off, as I said, Bucks Nets, it's on ESPN. If you have the choice, you'd probably rather watch Fox Sports Wisconsin anyway, but who knows? Either way, I'm sure lots of Bucks fans will be watching this one. I'll be back with Frank after the game to wrap it all up, so don't miss that. So for Justin and myself, we'll speak to you guys then.